Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports and health and wellness. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal or medical advice, as all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Dr. Miglior, known as the Gamer Doctor. Lindsay is a Twitch streamer and esports event host and a licensed physician. GamerDoc works with esports athletes, coaches, organizations, and companies and applies principles of sports science to assist esports athletes in training more efficiently. Lindsay is also the executive director of Queer Women of Esports, faculty associate for the NYIT Center for Sports Medicine, a Play VS Game Changer, and is on the editorial board for the Annals of Esports Research. GamerDoc just released the book, A Handbook of Esports Medicine, which is one of the first published works in the esports medical field. GamerDoc has been featured on many top publications, including Wired, PC Gamer, The Esports Observer, Esports Insider, and she's also spoken on panels at PAX East, Esports Bar, the International Game Summit, and the Invent Global Esports Conference. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Justin. I've been a, a big fan for a long time, ready to ready to answer some questions and, and talk about esports. Well, you know, I'm definitely a fan of you as well. And you now we're going to briefly introduce the topic a little. So in response to the rapid burnout and other physical ailments associated with gaming and esports in general, some traditional medical practitioners, physical therapists, and other doctors are starting to focus on esports and assisting competitive gamers in fighting certain physical ailments, as well as in strength training and developing fitness regimens to help a gamer excel and sustain for longer periods of time. Now we know a little about the evolving esports medical profession. Tell us about your past esports and gaming experience. What was the first game you played? So when I was seven or eight, my grandfather bought me a Nintendo 64 and Ocarina of Time. Luckily, I also got a guidebook. Otherwise, it would have been like the last game I ever played. But so, yeah, N64 and then natural progression, N64, GameCube, Wii, and then PlayStation, Xbox, computer gaming after that. So it's been a long but wonderful and amazing journey. Amazing. I'm definitely a fan of Zelda, and I definitely had mm-hmm. that guidebook. And I like to equate today where it's like the way I used to go to GameStop to buy the guidebook on how to beat it, people just go to YouTube and they learn how to do it. Yeah. Like imagine imagine not being able to Google a puzzle in Zelda and having no idea how to figure out. Imagine doing the water temple with no guidance. Like that is terror-inducing right now to me. So I, I'm so thankful that I got the guidebook in the beginning. Otherwise, it might have been like my first and last foray into esports and gaming. Well, yeah, you know, it's good stuff that, that all is out there. And, you know, <laughs> so how'd you kind of get involved into, you know, the esports business side? You know, tell us about forming the Gamer Doc and, you know, what you're doing with it. So <clears throat> I really got involved in esports right before college or in college and I was playing Call of Duty um, and I was like getting super good. I started streaming a little bit, um, but then I went to med school. So that kind of takes away all ability to commit to anything other than studying in a dusty library for like 16 hours at a time. Um, So I went to med school and I started playing Call of Duty again, like at night with my buddies just for fun. And this was, you know, search and destroy was like my main jam, but when you go to med school, this thing happens where everyone in your life, whether it's your, your parents, your friends, someone you knew in high school, they start asking you for medical advice, right? Like they're like, oh, like I got I got a pain I in mean, my I, shoulder. I know it as the lawyer in the room. Yep. Right? You're like, can I get sued for this? You're like, yes, you can. Back away from the firework. Um, but so I, I was talking to my buddies, you know, playing Search and Destroy and 
they would start asking me questions to be like, oh, I have like a cough. Will you prescribe me medication? I'm like, you shouldn't take antibiotics for a cold because it's a virus and that leads to antibiotic resistance. And they'd be like, oh, my, my, my thumb hurts from this analog stick. We've been playing for six hours. And I'm like in the middle of a search and destroy game being like, can you just leave me alone and like, let me clutch, clutch this game really quickly. Um, so, you know, my buddies would ha- were having these injuries and they'd go to their doctors and their doctors would tell them, if it hurts while you game and at no other point, then stop gaming, right? Like, oh my God, stop gaming. Who needs to game? And like, to me, that's not an acceptable answer because gaming is like my, I love gaming, right? Like I, it's, what get, it's what got me through med school. It's what got me through a lot of parts of my life. And no one was giving these people these answers. And at a certain point in your life, when when you're the only one equipped to answer these questions, it's like, oh, it's me. I need to figure this answer out. So um, after med school, I got I got really into video game health, video game wellness. And then um, after graduating from Georgetown, I decided to do this full time. So um, that's kind of the long and short of it. Awesome. I think that, you know, you really kind of identified something where, you know, the big difference between the way you were kind of approaching it and, you know, you see some of the other professionals that are kind of really on the forefront of these mm-hmm. professions that aren't gamer or streamer or team owner. It's because they had this, you know, passion and they were part of gaming. Mm-hmm. It was something that was part of their life. And they noticed like, wow, like I can apply, you know, this other real world skill to this world and kind of be this bridge that, you know, as you mentioned, didn't really exist. And, you know, as we're starting to notice, it's starting to develop a little bit, but, you know, isn't near what sports medicine is or, you know, these more traditional specialties. Mm-hmm. Totally. So how does it kind of work with a patient? Um, <laughs> so it, it that's a funny question because – when I started GamerDoc, so when I started GamerDoc, I had an idea. And whenever you start a business with an idea, it's going to be wrong, right? Like you're going to figure it out. It's going to change. You're going to adapt and adjust. That's what makes businesses successful is the ability to change. Um, and I thought, I'm going to be the personal doctor of all of the famous streamers and all the famous gamers. And I'm going to travel around the country. I'm going to go to their houses. I'm going to treat them. I'm going to go to esports organizations. I'm going to go to events. Um and and I did that for a while and it was fun, right? It was fun. Um, but then I realized, you know, if I see, if I go to Wisconsin to see a patient that takes the whole weekend, right? It I see them once and I, I do help them, um, but that's one patient in like three days. And so what GamerDoc has really evolved into is kind of, it's about expending the knowledge, extending the knowledge beyond myself. Like the fact that you can get hurt while gaming is something that still people have trouble wrapping their head around, right? You can get injured while gaming. It's preventable. And also you can use sports science to get better at gaming. Um, So that's kind of where my trajectory has evolved into is more awareness and um, spreading that message. But when I was treating patients, and I still am during COVID, it's a little bit different, but you know, it's, it's the same thing. And what I love about patients is that you walk into the room in your white coat. It doesn't matter if, you know, Dick Cheney's wife is sitting in your chair, Ninja or Joe Schmo, who just got off his nine to five, who, you know, is on, is paying uh, with insurance as opposed to cash, but because they're all the same, right? It's, it's a problem that you need to fix. So when I walk into a room, when I see a patient, my first question is, why are you here? Right? Like, why are you here? Not what hurts, not 
you know, what's going on in your life, but why, what made you come to the doctor today? Because that is the most telling question. Because if I ask them, you know, are you in pain? They say, yeah, my thumb's in pain. If you say, why are you here? They say, my thumb's been hurting for five years. And all of a sudden it got a little weak and I can't control the, my computer, you know, stick anymore. My computer stick, that's not a thing. My computer mouse anymore. Um, so we, we talk about what's going on in their life, what their limitations are. Um, and for, for, for most of my esports and gaming patients, it's about an hour before I actually do any sort of examinations or testing because you can get so much. I can, I have the diagnosis by the time I finish talking to them most of the time. Um, so, you know, and then we do the physical exam. I, I'm, I love ultrasound, so I can just throw an ultrasound on people and we can usually find the answer by the end of the day. Um, and then, yeah, then, then they walk away with a plan and we usually follow up a couple times, but I, you know, it's just, I love it because every, every patient is a puzzle and every puzzle is solvable. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Amazing. I think, you know, that's a really great approach to it. And I want to kind of tease out a little bit where you kind of mentioned being able to kind of take sports science, you know, mm -hmm. principles and, you know, treatments. How do you kind of see the similarities between, you know, treating maybe, you know, a professional athlete, a football player and, you know, treating a League of Legends midliner? Yeah. So I, I come from a more traditional sports background. Um, sports medicine was going to be my primary pursuit before I discovered esports. And I'd be on the sideline of college football games and I'd be, you know, doing sports physicals and I'd be in the athletic training room. And, you know, athletes are so motivated to get better. They're so motivated to be the best. 
And when, you know, you, a, a, a kid gets hit in the wrong way and all of a sudden their shoulders popped out and you have to put it in on the sideline and then they show up to your office the next day and you have to talk to them about recovery, they're motivated. They're going to do it um, because they trust the medical profession and they know if they use sports medicine, they're going to get better. In esports, we don't really have that yet. And when I immediately, as soon as I got to esports and as soon as people told me they were in pain, it just seemed so obvious because, you know, if you sprain your ankle playing basketball, you know that ankle sprain is going to get better, right? It might not feel like it on week two when you're still not off crutches, but you know that ankle sprain is going to get better and you know it's going to get better if you go to physical therapy and if you ice it and you put ibuprofen on it. But with gamers, you get a pain in your thumb or you get a pain in your pinky finger from those keybinds and then you're like, oh, this is my life now, right? You're like, I'm right, just never- managing it. Yes, exactly, Justin. So what what I really am trying to do is let people realize that that pain in your pinky isn't normal. It's fixable. And while we're at it, let's fix everything else in your body and make you a little bit better at gaming. Interesting. So, you know, what kind of services do you provide for, you know, pro gamers and as well as for pro teams? So the the question is, do they want a doctor or do they want more of a coach? And And that answer... Most of the time, what they want is like a performance coach. And I really don't love using that frame phrase because it's it's so overused and there's no regulation and anyone can call themselves a performance coach. But, you know, do they want someone to fix what's wrong with them or do they want them or do they want me to make them better at gaming? And a lot of what I do is really with them making people better at gaming because the injuries are rough and... um it's really hard to recover from, but that's not where esports organizations care about right now, unfortunately, because there's no money in that. Um, so, what I do for esports organizations right now is I go in, I do basically like a needs assessment. So, if you're an org and you want your goal is to win more tournaments, right? You want to win more tournaments, you want to win more games so you can get more sponsors, so you can make more money, so you can grow your organization. Um, how do you win more tournaments and games? There's lots of ways. But what I can do for them is go in and say, okay, here's your training schedule. Here's what you're doing for nutrition to support your players. Here's what you're doing for fitness to support your players. Here's what you're doing during travel that to support your players. And here's what you're not doing. And here are all of the things you're not doing. And there's so many things people are not doing, especially around travel and competitions, because these players are traveling across the world, across the country to compete in high level games that require a brain that is sharper than anyone else in the room. Your brain's not sharper than anyone else in the room if you're jet lagged, if you're sleep deprived, if your body isn't isn't taking in the nutrition that you need, right? Because when you travel somewhere else, when you go to France or if you go to Japan, they don't have the foods available that you're used to. So all of a sudden, not only you're dealing with jet lag, but you're starting to deal with a troubled stomach or dehydration or other issues that aren't leading you to be the best player you can be. So what I do is I help players and organizations understand and realize the things that they can be doing to set them up for success. Because if you think about it, like if you look at what Tom Brady eats in a day, if you look at what Michael Phelps eats in a day, it is so specific. But the fact that as esports athletes, people don't look at their nutrition as a way to improve performance is wild to me. It's wild to me. 
I, I don't, Justin, I could talk about this for like seven Why do you hours. think that is? You know, I, I definitely, you know, come from the more entertainment and sports world, where, as you say, it's like, that's what it's about, where it's like health and wellness and fashion, like, that's what it is. But as you mentioned, esports is a little bit more like, you know, long hours, Red Bull mm-hmm. grinding. How long can you, you know, quick are your reflexes? Mm-hmm. I think it's because no one's talking about it, right? Like, if you're playing high school football and you want to be a college football player and you want to be a, a pro football player, everyone's talking about strength training. Everyone's talking about nutrition. Everyone's on creatine, right? Everyone's hydrating throughout practice because there it's your, your, your peers are doing it, but the people you look up to are doing it too, right? Like Juju Schuster is talking about all of the stuff he does to train. He's posting on Instagram his workouts. He's posting what he's eating. You know, people are, are talking about it. So there's awareness. You know, if I were to tell you something that you've never heard before, why weren't you doing it beforehand? It's not because you were, you know, not intentionally doing it. It's because you didn't know any better. And so I think a lot of the times people don't know any better because, you know, if you eat a pasta dinner and then you go try and run a 5K, you're obviously going to puke, right? And so you see the connection between, oh, I shouldn't eat before I exercise. But when you're gaming, you don't see that connection. You drink a Red Bull and you feel really alert for a couple minutes and then your hand starts to shake a little bit. So your aim's slightly off, but you don't recognize, oh, it's because my heart rate's elevated. It's because my cortisol is spiking. My hand is shaking. I shouldn't drink that Red Bull. You don't, there's no direct connection there because no one's talking about it. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, that's the biggest point and, you know, something from the more legal side that I noticed is just not knowing anybody, not knowing you should have lawyers mm-hmm. and attorneys looking over these things. And it's, you know, one of these things where education is really, you know, the biggest thing. So what are, you know, what are some benefits that, you know, a gamer can receive, you know, working with you? Uh, so I like to use the analogy, um, the marathon, right? The marathon's like 26.3 miles or something. I don't even know, but, uh, it, it's, it's a very hard task to complete. Um, and everyone thought they had it figured out. The marathon times were getting, you know, shorter and shorter and shorter. And then in 1960, this dude showed up to the Summer Olympics and he ran the marathon and he won a gold medal and he did it barefoot. He ran the marathon and won a gold medal and set a world record barefoot. And everyone was like, where is this dude from? We've never heard of him before. How, how has he just shattered the world record and beat everyone? It turns out he was from Ethiopia. And this was the first time someone from Ethiopia had won a gold medal in the marathon. And so all the scientists pounced on this guy and like figured out his body type and everything. And they found because he lived at a high altitude, he was able to carry oxygen in his blood better than everybody else. And so his muscles could work harder. And so everything else could work harder. He could, he could run faster. He could run longer. He was, he was Superman compared to everybody else. And so after that, everyone started doing high altitude training, right? You, like everyone's Denver. heard of high altitude. You've heard of high altitude training. Yeah, you go to Denver. Exactly. Train high, live low. Um, that exists for esports, right? That exists for esports, but no one wants to do it, right? No one wants to pay attention to those things right now. But what I'm saying is, I can take, I can take your marathon run and teach you how to high altitude train and let you set the world record. And that's what esports medicine can do for athletes. So we look at. You know, nutrition is a huge one. What are you eating throughout the week? But specifically, what are you eating before you train? 
And what are you eating after you train? And what are you eating during the time you're training? Because your brain requires so much sugar to function and your brain can only use sugar to function. It can't use any other sources. So you have to make sure your brain has a consistent source of sugar the entire time you're training and performing. And that's not going to happen from Red Bull, right? So nutrition is a huge one. Sleep. Sleep is when your brain learns memories, right? It makes new memories. It learns new skills. If you're not sleeping at the correct times in the correct ways, then even if you train for 12 hours the day before, you're not going to remember those skills the next day as well if you're sleep deprived. Exercise is huge. Um, you know, when you exercise, you release these things called endorphins, and endorphins allow you to learn faster and they allow you to, to act quicker. Your reaction times are better with endorphins. So, you know, figuring out how to get that exercise boost and when to put exercise in. Um, also, just physical training is so important. You know, I can I can demonstrate stretches to someone that will make them scream in pain because I know where their injuries and ailment ailments are. Um, and just the way that, you know, we, if you're a basketball player, you have to make sure your quads are, are strong. You have to make sure your glutes are strong. You have to work on stability exercises. Otherwise, you're going to predispose to an ACL tear. The same thing with gaming. If you have weaknesses in certain muscles, you're predisposed to injuries down the road. So those are just literally the base surface of the things that I do with gamers. And, and there's, there's literally hundreds. I have folders and folders of things that I tell gamers about. So that's just the surface. Amazing. I mean, I think that, you know, you bring up the point and something I notice is like, you know, NFL players go in hyperbolic chambers where, mm-hmm. you know, these wide receivers I know where it's like they go in, you know, do a two-hour workout, go in for 20 minutes, come mm-hmm. out, do another two-hour workout like it's nothing. And it's just like this is how they're able to use sports science and increase their performance and cut yeah. down on injuries. So imagine, Justin, imagine if like – Team Liquid decided that they were going to do that with their athletes, right? If they were going to do that with their gamers, imagine the tournaments that they would win the next year if they could figure out a way to do that with them. And and we have it. We have those ways, right? We can do it. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's kind of, you know, the future. And it leads to kind of the next question is, do you think more medical professionals will, you know, start focusing and working on esports and gaming? You know, why or why not? I think they will. I think doctors who are currently in the field are not going to switch fields. And that is because of money. Um, You know, everything, everything comes down to money for most of the time. Um, And there's, once you get out of medical training, once you get out of residency, you are like in your early thirties and haven't made significant money your entire life. And you're like millions of dollars in debt. And you're going to take the job that has academic clout or it has financial support. Um, and so it's really hard to have doctors switch paths at that point because they're used to that stuff. But on the flip side of that, a lot of medical students and people in training right now are seriously considering esports. And we have a little like interest group. We do monthly talks um, up for, for people who are in the medical profession and who are interested in esports. And also, you know, you don't know a job exists until someone else is doing it most of the time, right? So. People like myself and Melita Moore and um, you know Dominic King, people see that and they say, "Oh, I can, I can do that. I can be an esports. I didn't know I could be an esports doctor before. Okay, I'm going to try that." So we're definitely seeing more people involved now. But um, yeah, I think, I think, it, I think it's going to be bigger in the future. Interesting. You know, that makes a lot of sense. So do you think, you know, in the future, every esports team will have you know on staff trainer or medical staff the way that every traditional sports franchise does? I think every good one will. Everyone that wants to win will. Um, 
you know, how it works with traditional sports teams. And I'm not even talking about pros, right? I'm talking about college. Sometimes even high school teams have these structures in place because they know they work. Um, really the quarterback of medical care on a traditional sports team is the athletic trainer. Um, and the athletic trainer is the one who's working with the players every day. And they are the ones in the training rooms, on the sidelines every single day. Um, and really right now, that's the physical therapists of esports. They're the ones who are on the ground, you know, doing doing the work. Um, but then, you know, everyone has their toolbox, right? Everyone has their tool and everyone has their toolbox. Um, sometimes there's things that the athletic trainer can't handle themselves. So that's when they call the doctor, right? They call the doctor and they say, hey, this player has a thumb injury. I think, you know, I think it might be gamer's thumb. Um, can you Can you treat it? And so that's when the doctor comes and the doctor comes in when it's something that the athletic trainer can't handle. Um, and, you know, that's when we can do the things like prescribe medication or do injections or recommend further imaging. Um, so I really think the way that esports is going to evolve is every team will have a trainer who is working with each individual team. And so they'll have multiple trainers, right? There'll be the League of Legends trainer. There'll be the Valorant trainer. There'll be the Dota trainer. Um, and then they'll probably have one doctor who is the person who comes in at the beginning of the season, evaluates everyone, uh, and then is only called in when needed because th that's the way traditional sports works and, and, it, and it works, right? It does work. Um, so I think that model will work for esports as well. Interesting. So, you know, you mentioned Gamer's Thumb, which kind of leads to my next question. <laughs> so I know you've just released a book, you know, Handbook of Esports Medicine. So tell us a little bit of why you write it and what's some of the most important information that a gamer might take from it. So uh, I was in a Twitter battle um, with an athletic trainer a couple of years ago, and he was trying to say that posture doesn't affect neck back pain or anything. And I'm, I'm trying to look up these studies. Well, he doesn't to, work in an office and right? a computer. He's an athletic trainer. So he's in the gym all day. Um, and so I tried to look up studies that I had remembered and I was reading through them and they were all great. And so I, you know, I, I destroyed him on Twitter with my, with my sheer mass of facts. And, but the fact that it took me like an hour to find all those sources really kind of in, infuriated me. Um, information should be readily accessible. It should be readily accessible in a way that anyone can understand. And in esports, especially esports medicine, we don't have that, right? We don't have a place where you say, my thumb hurts when I game, why? If you Google that, nothing's going to come up. I mean, there's going to be a couple YouTube videos that are vaguely related, but we don't know why, right? Or at least we didn't know why. Um, if you're a you know, an athletic trainer and your company just wins a contract to work with Team Liquid. I, I'm saying Team Liquid because they're like the only team that I haven't worked with. So I can use them without violating NDAs or HIPAA laws. Um, and, you know, your athletic trainer is going to work with Team Liquid and you're the person who's called up to go evaluate them. What if you're not a gamer? What if you don't work in esports? How do you know anything about what they're predisposed to? And so, at a certain point in your life, you realize that the answers don't exist because you're the one who has to do them. So I decided to write a book for uh, medical professionals primarily who are treating esports athletes 
and who may have some some background, maybe I have no background, maybe I have a huge background in esports. But th- this book allows you to treat athletes and see what they can get and see how to treat it and see how to prevent it. Um, if It also is a good resource for gamers and athletes and orgs who are interested in building their wellness and their fitness protocols, but don't have the budget f- to hire someone. Um, I'm really proud of it. It came out um, almost a month ago now. We sold out on Amazon almost immediately. Um, it, it just been a, it's been a wonderful experience. And I'm really proud of it, but I'm also already starting to work on the second edition. Well, congrats on that. I, I know <laughs> what an accomplishment it is to see that on Amazon and, you know, I kind of was, that was a big question. Is it just for medical practitioners or if I wanted to see why my thumb was hurting and I'm a streamer, I could purchase it too. You could, you could. <clears throat> the way we wrote it is we tried to make it easy to understand by everyone, but there is a lot of medical terminology and jargon in it. So um, I would say buy it and purchase it if you want to learn. It's not a passive read. I mean, I don't think the people that I the people that I associate and the people I've met in esports um, tend to be more intelligent than most. So I think it's a I think it's very doable, even if you don't have a medical background. But um, be prepared to learn. Okay, well, you know, I may have to check it out. I think that you know it's a very interesting thing. So, currently, are you know any medical or similar schools offering any programs or courses or even you know certifications in you know the space? And you believe they will in the future? If not, I hope so. Uh, I'm I'm trying to build a couple right now, but really, no is the answer because medical schools, medical professionals, medical organizations aren't taking esports seriously. I gave a talk in like two years ago at a medical convention and it was on esports and I, I started talking about esports medicine and I explained what it was and and people started laughing like 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 they legitimately thought it was a joke people don't take this field of medicine seriously currently especially not the people in like two generations up the ones who especially the ones who are making decisions but you know NYIT luckily has come on board I love them I support them so much they're they're trying to do the work uh, but but I'm also working on medical curricula myself. Uh, I, you know, a part of me is like, why don't I just travel around the world for a year and do like a lecture circuit of grand rounds at medical schools and in you know intern and residency programs and give everyone a little taste of esports medicine because ev- everyone's going to see gamers, right? It's not it's not just the sports medicine doctors. The 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 gamers are presenting to their pediatrician, they're presenting to their primary care doctor, they're presenting to the hand surgeon, they're presenting to the regular surgeon they're presenting the physical therapist, the occupational therapist. They're not just going to one person. And most of the time they don't have any idea it's coming from gaming. And so unless the practitioner, the doctor, the the therapist is aware of gaming injuries, then they're not going to ask the questions they need to ask. So a, a, a big thing that I want to do is, is do that, is, is create more training and awareness in the medical field. But right now, um, you know, NYT is really the only one doing anything. So, yes, that kind of leads to that. So, you know, you're a faculty associate at the Mm -hmm. NYIT Center for Sports Medicine. So what does that entail? Is it just sports medicine or is it also, you know, eSports or is it both? So they have a a dedicated eSports medicine program. It's it's amazing. Um, I actually went to med school at NYIT and then we crop, you know, we, we, our paths diverged. Um, and I saw that NYIT was doing, you know, Dr. Zobel and Dr. Donahue, they put out a paper in, in early 2018 on injuries in esports athletes. 
And it was like the first paper that had ever been written like that. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind that that other people were taking this seriously. And so I reached out to them and we started talking and we started working together. And I get a call from the dean, Jerry Ballantyne, great dude. I get a call from the dean. And he's like, I didn't know you went to NYIT. I was like, yeah, I went to your school. He's like, we have to make this more formal. I was like, I agree. We should make this more formal. Um, so, you know, what I do right now is I, I give talks to the students, but I, I work with the um, the Center for Sports Medicine, specifically with esports, on developing studies. Um, we hosted a esports medicine conference last year, which was amazing. It's virtual, obviously. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're doing our best to uh, make, make this field legitimate. And that's really what's important is a hobby is one thing, but you want it to be legitimate. You want it to be professional and you, and you want it to have worth. And that's really what NYT and my role at NYT is doing is, is helping them create a more reputable um, branch of, of medicine that is, you know, specifically targets gamers. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's definitely something coming from, you know, the, the legal profession coming from the more traditional entertainment world into this esport world. It's kind of the same thing where, you know, I think law schools are dipping their feet in and you know, schools like NYIT that maybe have a bit more flexibility as mm -hmm. opposed to, you know, a Harvard Medical right. School or Cornell where it's like, okay, well, this could be something innovative and, you know, capture the attention. And as you mentioned, the next generation of you know, doctors and physicians may be like, wow, like I, I love gaming. It's part of mm -hmm. my life. It's clearly only going to increase. And as all the kids that have been 16 year old gamers, by the time they're 26, they're going to need a lot of doctors. And by the time they're 46, they're mm -hmm. going to need doctors. So, you know, I think it's definitely on the way up for sure. Exactly. And, and, and that's the, that's the hope, right? Because I'm, I can count on one hand, the amount of doctors who do what I do. There's thousands and, and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of video gamers out there. And, and people need help, right? That, that NYID study that I just mentioned, 40% of them had hand and wrist pain as like 18, 19 year olds. And so we, we need help. Like I am the least, I'm so competitive in sports, but I'm like the least competitive business person alive because I'm just like, please come help me. Please do exactly what I do so you can help me do this. Like I'm welcoming all of the new doctors with open arms. Well, they're happy to hear that. <laughs> you know, I, I also know you do a lot of work with the organization Queer Women of Esports. Mm -hmm. So tell us what about the organization and you know some of the work that they're doing. So yeah, I, I'm the uh, executive director and founder of that. Non We're 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, we're dedicated to advocating for marginalized genders in competitive video gaming. It, could you tell that I've said that 10,000 times? Um, but <laughs> I think I had mentioned earlier that I was getting really into competitive Call of Duty and then I went to med school. Um, there's like a little bit more of a story there, but it, it was right around the time that I had realized I was, you know, not straight. Um, I was playing Call of Duty and I was playing Call of Duty when they had open lobbies, when you would join a game and everyone's mic was suddenly hot. Everyone in the room's mic was hot before you started playing the game. And if anyone has ever experienced that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, Google it and you will find some YouTube videos. And then also after you killed someone, they still do this in some video games. After you killed someone, both of your mics would be hot for like three or five seconds. Um, and so, you know, being from the Midwest, being, you know, growing up religious, um, 
with no queer role models. Being gay was not something that came easily. Um, and being realizing that you're gay and struggling with those identity issues when you're in open Call of Duty lobbies also is not something that anyone wants to do. So I quit gaming and I quit esports uh, for, for for a while, for a lot longer than I would have loved. Um, and so when I when I got out of med school, when I got out of training, and I finally had a little bit more resources, I said, "Why did that happen to me?" And let's make sure that doesn't happen to anyone else ever again. So what QWE does is we're creating inclusivity in esports. And it, we our name's Core One of Esports, but everyone's welcome. And we're, we're here for everyone who has ever had the experience of being left out of esports or being not welcome in esports for any other reason than your trash at video gaming. Um, and so what we're doing is we're just creating inclusion in video gaming. Um, you know, our, our big thing right now is our mentorship program. We're pairing young, um, early career esports industry people with industry leaders. Um, we're sponsored by AimLab, which is amazing. Love you, Dr. Wayne Mackey. Uh, so we, you know, we're setting people up with the tools they need. We're setting them up with, with mentorship, with sponsorship. Um, but we also have a lot of other cool things, but you know, it's just about making esports for everybody. Amazing. And I'm sorry that people on the internet are such bullies. You know, I, I work with a lot of female gamers and just in general. And some of the things that people say on the mm-hmm. internet are horrendous. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's- the, what people say when I tell them what I do, if they're like a little bit of a jerk, is they're like, yeah, but everyone is the target of toxicity on online. And and they're right, right? Like everyone, even like cis even white me. men, right? Yeah, get, get smack talked by a the white boy from New York. You know, Long Island. Yeah, exactly. Everyone, everyone's the target of toxicity, um, and and that's not okay, right? That's the, it's not okay that we no, just tolerate okay. this type of behavior. So we're here for you. We're here for everyone. We're, we're trying to make esports less toxic and and more productive, and and that's going to make it better, and that's going to make it more sponsorable, which is going to bring more money in. So that's what you know most people want to hear about. So um, yeah, I'm sorry people were mean to you, Justin. I mean, it, you know, haters going to hate, you know, just got to keep going through that. But, you know, I think that the mission is great and it's definitely, you know, definitely in the last few years and most recently the last few months, definitely been, you see, quality and gaming. And this is really mm-hmm. a trend that, you know, we're starting to notice. And it's important because, you know, it's not something that you just dealt with, you know, however many years ago. It's something that people are truly dealing with on a daily basis mm-hmm. and like, you know, like even celebrities, like some of the people I talk to, the stuff that people say to them, like big rappers and athletes, it's yeah. horrible. And like they're people too. And like you know, you're you're Wale and you're screwing through, screwing through all these things. People say, "Go kill yourself." Your music's like all this crazy stuff that, like, if you ever saw them in public, you'd be like, "Can I have your autograph? Can I have a picture? I love you. You're the best thing ever." But on the internet, it's like mm-hmm. your music's terrible. Like, why'd you drop that pass? Like, they lost only their know, heart, and way worse than that. You know? Yeah, it's so. it's gross. I mean, the screen and the keyboard definitely puts a disconnect and, and changes the way that people interact in a negative way, but also, you know, sometimes in a positive way as well. And it's an, it's not acceptable. Uh, and there's there's a lot of things we're working on to, to help that because this is a problem that has a solution and we need to treat it like that. We don't need to treat it like it's just business as usual. Exactly. So, you know, kind of bringing this towards the end, I know you're also involved in the annals of esports research. So tell us a little bit about that and what you're working on over there. 
Yep. So uh, that is a project that's been relatively new. That is a legitimate medical name for everyone wondering about it right now. Um, we are a uh, organization. I'm one of the senior editors. Um, I mentioned earlier that it's really hard to find reputable studies in video gaming. And so, so why is that, right? Well, one, the money isn't there to do the research. So people aren't doing the research. And then when they do the research, they reach out to a journal and they say, hey, I did this high quality study in video gamers and I would like to submit it to you, Journal of Sports Medicine. And the Journal of Sports Medicine says, this isn't sports medicine. Why are you submitting it to us? Go submit it to the Journal of Hand Surgery. So then they submit it to the Journal of Hand Surgery and they're like, this isn't hand surgery. Go somewhere else. And so people don't have a place to publish esports research because the reputable medical journals don't take this seriously. And the people who are going to publish esports research sometimes aren't reputable, right? So if you if I look up a study and it, it seems legit, but I see a name that it's published in a certain journal and a certain journal that I know has really low standards, then I'm not going to take that journal as seriously because there's a huge process that's involved when you submit a paper. You submit a paper you want to make sure as an editor that that paper was done ethically. You want to make sure that paper doesn't have any flaws in the study design, right? So if I say I got everyone's IQ to go up when they took this pill and I give everyone a pill and then I have them go run a mile and then I have them take an IQ test. Well, of course their in in intelligence went up, right? That they just got that stimulation of endorphins that I just said. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's because of the pill and I'm going to put it in that paper and then I'm going to go sell that pill online after. Publications, it's their responsibility to weed out that kind of behavior. Um, so a reputable esports publication site really doesn't exist. Um, there's one, there's an international journal, which is, which is new and great, um, but there's not one specifically for all esports research. So that's what we're doing. We're reputable, reputable publication where you can flip it open and you can see studies on everything. It's not just medicine, right? It's, it's business, it's law, it's training, it's performance. Um, you can flip it open and you can, you read through and you know the studies are well designed, you know they're reputable and the know, you know the things you're reading are done well and you can learn from it. So it's going to be for anyone who wants to grow their knowledge of esports. Awesome. Well, you know, someone who's an industry advisor on the International Journal of Esports, yep. I definitely understand, you know, the need for these things. And That was what I was talking about. There you go. And, you know, I, I see it that there is a need for this. It really kind of works both ways where until you have these reputable publications that kind of co-sign the legitimacy of what's going on, the papers, the thought process, the theorems, other people in the more mainstream can't even adopt it. They need to have this filtering process that brings the best of the best at the mm -hmm. highest standards for it to be like, okay, Harvard Medical Journal, this is real. This, you know, mm -hmm. the real people are believing it and it has validity. Exactly. Exactly, Justin. So, you know, we're kind of concluded. So what's the future of, you know, medical care and esports and, you know, for the gamer doctor, where are you going from here? The future is legit limited, limitless, like literally limitless. There are so many, there are, there's so much work to do. So you are Bradley Cooper. I am. I love that movie so much. And I love Bradley Cooper's hair. So thank you so much for saying that. It's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Uh, I, I literally, the future for medical care and esports is everything. It's it's making better players. Like imagine Tom Brady, say what you want about Tom Brady. Tom Brady is so good at football. He is so good at football. 
And he proved that when he went to Tampa Bay, right? He proved that. It wasn't the Patriots. It wasn't Bill Belichick. It was Tom Brady. The reason why he's so good is because of he pays attention to his training schedule. He pays attention to what he puts in his body. He doesn't eat tomatoes because he thinks they're inflammatory. He pays attention to when he goes to sleep. He has a he has a masseuse that comes in, as we all know from that infamous video, and works with him after every single practice. Tom Brady would not be Tom Brady without those support services. Tom Brady would have, without medical support, without training support, Tom Brady would have retired at 23 because his shoulder was hurting him, right? Imagine if, imagine how many Tom Brady's of esports that have already retired because we didn't give them medical support. Imagine how many of like the fakers of the world had to retire because of injury. We're missing them. Esports is missing them. We are not as good as an industry because we do not see these players play for their true potential, for their for their lifespan, right? So the future of esports is better esports because we're players are going to play better because we're unlocking esports medicine. And that is the future of esports medicine and that is the future of GamerDoc because I will be pushing that envelope every single dying breath I have. Well, that's amazing. I, <laughs> I think that, you know, I definitely agree with that. I think it's one of these things where – it's a keeping up with the Joneses effect where if all these other teams are having these physical you know, therapy and all these things, nutritionists and all these things to elevate your performance and it works, everyone else is going to do it. And mm-hmm. I think it's just kind of, as you mentioned, just a trend that once it starts and once you know teams really see the benefits of it and you have these studies that you know people in the field are conducting to you know, kind of essentially back up the findings, mm-hmm. it's really going to explode. Yep. Totally. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. Well, you know, I like to kind of end each episode with my three questions. So you know, what's your favorite game to watch? Fortnite. I love Fortnite. I, I still think it's the best game out there. It's a chess game. There's so many different ways to play. The, the reaction time is just so interesting. It's so fun to see players like, like Skeptic or like Mongrel just do what they do. It's like watching LeBron James. It's like watching Tom Brady. It's amazing. Awesome. So what's your favorite game to play? Uh, Fortnite. I've been, I've been um, streaming. I've been getting back into streaming. I, I ran out of time in my day, so I stopped streaming. Um, but, but being good at video games is something that's important to me because I feel like you have to put your money where your mouth is. So I've been playing a lot of Fortnite recently. I love the new season. It feels like two years ago. It feels like old Fortnite. Uh, and I've been getting better and it's been, it's been really fun. So I am just, I was, I was getting into league. I was getting into Valorant and I'm just full blown Fortnite right now. And I'm so here for it. Okay. So who's your favorite video game character? Ooh, for obvious reasons, Laura Croft. Okay. There's probably a lot of obvious reasons, but (laughs) you know, I I definitely can hate with that one. So. You know, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, first of all, Justin, thank you for having me. You know, it, I'm always just so impressed by you because you're, you're so intelligent, independent of esports, right? You have your own career. You're a lawyer. You're a multiple successful businesses. Um, and so just being in your brain for an hour is just such a, a pleasure. So thank you for having me. Um, and then if you want to find me, uh, Twitter is really where I live, gamerdoc underscore. I've been getting better at Instagram, everyone. So if you want some vaguely related health and wellness stuff, it's uh, the gamerdoc. And then I'm streaming on Twitch at 
GamerDocQWE. So, you know, those are the places you can find me. Also, check out my website, GamerDoc.com. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I have very limited personal consultation slots open, but I'm, I'm more open to working with orgs and working with teams if that's something you're interested in. So um, hit me up and I, we'll see what we can do for you. Well, you know, thanks everybody again for tuning in and make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q and make sure to get a copy of the book. I think, you know, handbook Mm -hmm. of esports medicine. If your, your wrists are hurting or your neck is hurting, she might have some useful information to help. So, you know, check Apple podcast for all our past episodes. Mm -hmm.